Hello there, my friend. Welcome to Jesus Smart, the podcast. This is episode 97. You've heard about the big kerfuffle, right? The big brouhaha just recently at a conference in California, Sun Valley, California. I think the conference was called Truth Matters, actually a conference that John MacArthur sponsored. And at this conference, they were also celebrating his 50th year in the ministry. I agree with a lot of what John MacArthur teaches, and I really honor him and appreciate him concerning his expository approach to the scriptures, takes it very, very seriously. He's a scholar, he's a theologian, has a string of letters after his name. And they did this little thing there at the conference. Todd Friel, I think is the pronunciation of Wretched Radio and Wretched TV, (laughs) He had some leaders up there on the stage, and they were doing this cutesy little word association game. And Todd Friel goes, "Uh, I'm going to say a word or a phrase, and I just want you to give me a very short, brief response. And Pastor MacArthur goes, well, I feel like I'm being set up here, and, you know, are you sure I just get two words, whatever. But so Todd Todd Friel comes right out of the gate. Here it is, Beth Moore. And everybody laughs. You you know, you can hear the audience responding to it. And here's the background to this. The Reformed Baptist tradition, uh, at least as led by John MacArthur and those who follow him, are very much against women preaching or being in the pulpit. And Beth Moore has been something of a, can I say, a whipping post for for a while (laughs) with uh, these types and so there's this laughter, and Todd Friel sort of got what he was looking for, and ha, 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 ha. And, and so then John MacArthur's response is, a short response being asked for, it's, go home. And then everybody just laughs. And so Lee Grady has written this article, Why John MacArthur Should Apologize to Women Preachers. Again, there will be a link to this on the show notes page, as well as a video of the segment from the conference that I'm referencing you can check that out by going to jesusmart.com slash women preachers. Lee Grady himself says, I respect some of MacArthur's theological contributions. He's written some excellent books, but his dismissive attitude toward women who are called to ministry is rude, crude, and incredibly unhelpful in a day when we need every available minister, male or female. Let's dive into this quickly. I looked up the word preach, the Greek word keruso in the New Testament. The word translated as preach means to herald, to tell abroad, publish, propagate, publicly proclaim, exhort, call out with a clear voice to communicate, and of course it means to preach. The, the point that, that Lee Grady is bringing up is that they're focusing on the one verse in 1 Timothy, maybe two verses, 11 and 12, 1 Timothy 2, let a woman learn in silence with all submission And I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. But Lee Grady goes on to say they ignore women leaders in the Bible, including Deborah, Miriam, Priscilla, Nympha, Udia, Syntyche, and others. You know, Deborah was this judge in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 4 and 5. She was a judge, a warrior, a poet, a songwriter, a prophet. The only other person in the Old Testament who's said to be both a prophet and a judge was Samuel, one of the preeminent prophets. And, you know, Lee Grady brings up, would John MacArthur and others demand that Deborah go home rather than organizing an army to defend ancient Israel, which is what she did. He then goes on to talk about Priscilla. Priscilla was the wife of Aquila, 
And in Acts 18.26, it says that Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside and more accurately explained the way of God to him. Apollos was an up-and-coming, profoundly gifted individual in the early church, and yet they had the um, the leadership and the, 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 the gravitas to pull him aside and more accurately explain the way of God. Uh, Lee Grady mentions Nympha. Who is Nympha? Ever hear of her? Probably not, but she was a female house church leader recorded in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 15. Judea and Syntyche are, are two women who labored with Paul. You can read about them in Philippians. They were workers with him. They labored with him. You know, in the book of Joel, the Old Testament prophet, it says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And Philip, the evangelist Philip in the book of Acts, he had four daughters, and it says they all prophesied. Not one or two, all four daughters were prophetesses. Amazing. And Peter then says that when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, that this is that which was written about by the prophet Joel. Lee Grady is saying, I wonder if MacArthur and other fundamentalists would realize what they are saying when they demand that the Beth Moors of our days sit down and be quiet. Do they seriously want the spiritual contributions of women to go away? And then he goes and he highlights a few women in church history since the times of the Old and New Testaments. He mentions Amy Carmichael, a great missionary. If she had been content to stay comfortable in her house in England, he writes, because of the belief that women are never to speak for God, then she would not have gone to India. Thousands of individuals would not have been saved through her ministry. She also rescued Indian girls who were pulled out of the evil system of Hindu temple prostitution. Lee Grady mentions Jarena Lee, a poor black woman living in the early 1800s in America. Had she ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit, here's what the Holy Spirit told her. This is her testimony. Preach the gospel. I will put my words in your mouth. She was a Methodist. She had a powerful experience of personal sanctification, Grady writes, and she traveled thousands of miles on foot preaching and winning converts. What about this lady by the name of Bertha Smith, a Southern Baptist missionary, if she had actually adhered to her own denomination's policies about women in ministry, she would not have gone to China. And it's reported that she, she was part of sparking a revival in China that is still felt 70 years later. Amy Semple McPherson, a healing evangelist, she would have never blazed a trail across the U.S., Grady writes, with her Pentecostal message, and she would never have started the International Church of the Four Square Gospel, a denomination that has grown to millions of members around the world. What if all these women had been silent and gone home? Grady continues with a great Bible teacher by the name of Henrietta Mears of Hollywood Presbyterian Church in L.A. 
if she had assumed that the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 2 forbade her from teaching men, what would have happened? Well, she would have never hosted the large discipleship conferences she sponsored in the 40s and 50s. And guess who was greatly influenced? Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now crew, and also Billy Graham when they were young. These men, by their own admission, Grady writes, led millions to Jesus because of Henrietta Mears' influence on their spiritual growth. But what if she had stayed silent and had stayed home? And so Grady continues that Beth Moore has had a remarkable ministry. She's published more than 25 books in Bible studies, and she's indirectly discipled countless women and men through her writings or broadcasts or conferences. And Grady says, I don't want to imagine a world without her, her contribution. There's this big conversation that's going on within the Southern Baptist Convention, the the largest Protestant denomination in the country, and and in evangelicalism as a whole, it's not limited to SBC, between what's called complementarianism and egalitarianism. Complementarianism is saying that men and women are, are, are equal in essence, they're equal in their standing before God, but they're different in their roles and their functions. Yes, of course, there's a difference between male and female. We understand that, but so much so that women cannot teach in mixed settings. They cannot preach when, when men are present in the room. Uh, th- that is a, a hard-leaning complementarian view. Egalitarianism is on the other end of the spectrum. It says that men and women are equal in their capacity to lead in the church and and to preach from the pulpit, you know, the glorification of the pulpit, right? But, you know, I interviewed Beth Moore recently. It was episode, ah, there it is, episode 89. No one elevates women like King Jesus. You can see her site at marydemuth.com, but she's dealt extensively. She is a Southern Baptist, and her and her husband are very involved in their large, a large Southern Baptist church that they're a part of in, in North Texas, severely abused, sexually abused as a child, an advocate for women who have been sexually abused, and even more so women who've been, it's been covered over. A big expose on the SBC has covered these situations. They've, they've not dealt with them forthright, forthrightly. They've not listened to the voices of women who were complaining about these situations. And now that's all changing with the SBC. It, it seems that the arrows are pointing in the right direction, which is good news. She's an advocate. She's a voice in that space. Beth Moore is a voice on these issues, and I'm, I'm sure there are others. But I encourage you to listen to that episode. She says that instead of looking at it as like bi- binary complementarianism or egalitarianism, they are somewhere on the spectrum. And I think that's a helpful way to to look at that as well. You know, there could be a dirty little secret of the Protestant Reformation. It's been 500 years now since Martin Luther nailed his, you know, 95 theses to the to the to the door and sparked the Protestant Reformation. And one of the great doctrines that was recaptured was the priesthood of all believers. But the dirty little secret it can be said of the Protestant Reformation is that though we doctrinally assent to that truth, we have not practically manifested it and appropriated it in the church, not only between men and women, but between clergy and quote-unquote laity, unfinished business of the Protestant Reformation. And of course, many would say, and I, I believe it my, myself, that the Protestant Reformation continues to be underway. It's a 500-year-old movement that continues to unfold fold before us. So there are voices in the body of Christ today that are 
that are rising and, and elevating. And, and, and let me just leave you with this from the book of Acts. They had the situation in the book of Acts where the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food and support. The Hellenistic widows were the non-Jewish widows. They were the Gentile widows who were born again and had come into the church. And yet somehow, I don't know why, there was they were being overlooked. and The concentration on the support was going to the Jewish widows. And a complaint, I think it says in many translations, arose from the people on behalf of these Hellenistic widows who were being overlooked and not supported by the church. Now, what did the leadership do? Did they ignore the voice that was rising up? Did they just shelve the issue and not deal with it? Actually, they took the issue up and they and they went further and asked the people themselves to nominate seven deacons, seven men to this task of administrating this support, this financial support and food support for, for the widows. One of those individuals was Philip, who, whom we referenced earlier, who later shows up in the book of Acts with his four daughters who are all prophesying. So they laid their hands on them. They set them into the deacon ministry. That's where the diaconate ministry comes from in, in the church as, as the early church was developing in the book of Acts. It was a further development of the ecclesia of the church or you know the assembly of believers. It was a positive outcome. And if you read that passage, I think it's in Acts 6, then what happened? It says the church continued to grow in numbers. It continued to burgeon in numbers with growth and grace was upon the church and fruitfulness. But it's started with voices coming up from the ranks, so to speak. Just like today we have voices rising up, protecting women in the church, asking the leadership to get their act together, to repent, and to get their act together with with dealing with these situations forthrightly. And now we have voices with that rising up that women need more prominent voices in the church. They need more leadership positions, they need more prominent voices and influence, and there are some who say that a hyper-complementarianism actually inadvertently works as a cover for these situations not to be dealt with properly and not to be exposed. So I'm trying to catch up with all of this, and that's a quick survey of what's happening, but Lee Grady is obviously making the case that John MacArthur should apologize to women preachers. I don't think that's going to happen, but the issues are worth talking about. This is not going away. If anything, it fuels it. It's interesting to watch this unfold. It's interesting to pray. I mean, look, when God said, let us make man in our image, when the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together as the Godhead, obviously a reference there in Genesis, said, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. I mean, do you see that right from the outset, the image bearing of God in the earth is equally carried by the male and by the female as vice regents of God to exercise dominion under the sovereignty of God. Now, in Christ, we need to see more and more that recovered in our time, the vice regency of male and female exercising dominion, finding their voice, finding their giftedness, giving space for that giftedness to be expressed. I'd be interested in your comments on this. Go to the show notes page. If you have comments or questions, you can leave them there. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can use the contact page. To learn more about the podcast itself, go to jesussmart.com. You can see the show notes page for this episode for links and additional resources on this specific theme. Uh, It always helps when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And by the way, 
It's now on iHeartRadio and also Spotify. If you have those apps on your phone, just search Jesus Smart Podcast. It should call it right up. You could subscribe to it. You can listen to every single episode right on those apps, iHeartRadio and Spotify. We also have an e-letter that goes out nearly weekly. We're questing. We're all learning. We're all desperate in a real sense. Next level ideas, though, and insights to develop as a Christ follower and an apprentice of his kingdom, okay? Jesus is brilliant. He knows how this life works best right now. We want to be people of not only principle, but also presence. Let's let's wed principle and presence together. Talk with you soon. Oh, my God.